right, welcome back to another episode of Vernacular Podcast. I'm here with my wonderful, beautiful, inimitable co-host, Sally. How are you? <laughs> Thank you. I am excited that this is the first fall episode of 2019. And fittingly, we're going to do our quarterly read, watch, listen recommendation episode. Yeah, it's perfect. So there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff we've been listening to lately, reading lately, a lot of things that we've either been watching lately or are going to watch because they're coming out this fall. So I think there's a lot to talk about. But first, I just want to say how much I love fall. Yeah, when it feels like fall. <laughs> well, yeah, that's true. I mean, it was a little warm today, for example, but Sunday. No, I just mean for people like in Austin, for instance, yeah, that's it doesn't true. feel like fall. Until like November. <laughs> right. Or I was just in Alabama. It does not feel like fall. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And I mean, even here, I think early fall is probably pretty characteristic everywhere. There are some days that are warm and some days that feel like fall. But Sunday, I think, was our first taste of like real fall weather. It was like 75 and perfectly sunny and breezy and just like clear, crisp air. And it was yeah, just it makes so you want to move to California. I was watching, as you know, Sally, the Eagles game. The Eagles were doing poorly. And then my friend texted me and was like, do you want to go on a bike ride? And I was like, yes, yes. <laughs> I need to get away from this game and get outside. <laughs> and enjoy the beautiful day. And it was uh, it was just perfect. It was great. So I'm really looking forward to more of those days. I'm hoping that I hope we have enough before it starts to get cold. That's here. what I was going to say, because we haven't. Yeah. I mean, I haven't lived in Colorado for several years. You haven't been to Colorado for several years. So I'm curious to see how the how the autumn is going to shape up. Right. You know, are we going to be able to still go outside regularly in like November or do we basically have a month of this? If that we were talking to people this morning who said we're going to have snowfall by Halloween. Yeah. We're like, no, scary. I don't want that. No, please. Now, no. Of course, in Austin, it, I guess, you know, it's like pick your poison in Austin. We were still in shorts and T-shirts at Halloween. So right. we'll make the best of it, whatever it is. But yeah. hopefully we have ahead of us at least a solid a more good month weeks. and a half yeah. of nice, cool, clear weather where we're not going to be too cold. Yeah. I hope we're warm. not rubbing it in for all of those people who are not experiencing fall yet. Yeah. I'm but it's so, coming. Yeah, it is. Hopefully, <laughs> unless you live in Austin. I'm thinking of you, Teresa, in Alabama. <laughs> Okay, well, we're going to do read, watch, and listen recommendations on this episode, Sally. And then we'll wrap it up with just one thing that we've enjoyed lately that doesn't have to be a read, watch, or listen recommendation. So maybe we should start with reading recommendations. What are you reading now? Have you recently read that you would recommend to our listeners? Okay, since our last episode, I read A Place for Us, which was kind of on summer reading lists for last year or even the year before. So it wasn't hard to find at the library. And it's about um, a Muslim family who moves to the U.S. And their just experience living in America in modern day. Um, it's It takes place before 9-11 and then during 9-11 and then after 9-11. And just how each individual person in the family kind of reacts differently to their experience in America. And it's, it's really sad. It's kind of heartbreaking in many ways, but it was really well written. It was the woman's first first novel that she had written. And I think she wrote in part from her own experience, but it was also fictionalized. I do recommend it. It was, it was well written and very thought provoking. Um, on a fun note, I read The Pelican Brief, which was, my, oh, yeah. I think I, it was my first Grisham I novel. Did, I also read that for the second time. I read it a few yeah. years ago, but your experience reading it made me want to read it again because we were talking about watching the movie. Yeah, it was it was such a fun read. It was it was so fast and interesting. And I liked imagining Julia Roberts and Denzel Washington in the roles. But then when we went to go watch the movie, which I guess I'm jumping ahead to watching. It was a letdown. It was for sure. Well, and it was funny because. I think we've said this on the show before. We don't normally watch one movie in one sitting because we don't sit in front of a TV for that long at night. We we pretty much read every night. And so we always leave some time for reading. So when we're watching a movie, it normally is broken up over 
two, three, sometimes even four nights, I think. <laughs> Depending how long. And, and so with the Pelican Brief, we were dividing it up at least over two nights. I think we watched about half of the movie and then said, okay, we'll pick this up, you know, over the weekend or something. But that was over the weekend that bridged August and September. And we were watching it on HBO. And by the time we turned on the TV again to turn it on, HBO had like had purged it from its catalog. It so we only saw half of the movie. But we, yeah. we were not heartbroken. We decided to not spend money renting it. But just I also to watch can't say that I, you know, can fully say that it was a disappointment. It was just the first half was a disappointment. Well, w- so. one thing that struck me, I'd be curious to talk to our friends on the podcast about this. One thing that struck me is just how very 90s the whole thing was. Mm-hmm. It just, uh, I mean, if you if you look at the trailer for the Pelican Brief, it has like the voiceover that no one does in trailers anymore. Yeah. Just the, the whole pacing of the movie seemed yeah. very 90s, which is to say, slow and drawn out and that's not a bad or a good thing which is not the book so no not at all they didn't they didn't convey uh, that yeah i don't know what happened quite well and i I thought i thought the acting was was not great either it was wasn't as good as what i was expecting it was a young julia roberts and i think she was very well cast for that role but you know just inexperienced i guess so yeah i don't know she didn't give the same strong woman vibe that darby from the book yeah, me. it didn't feel like a Julia Roberts performance. But it was also funny to be disappointed by that after we'd watched a 70s movie, All the President's Men, mm-hmm. and we were enthralled with that. Yeah, that was really good. So Loved I don't that. know if we talked about it on the last episode, but. When we listened to, this is also bleeding into the listening recommendations now, but along with that, All the President's Men movie, we listened to the Rewatchables yes, episode yes. Of, of All the President's Men, and that was very good as well. Yeah. Okay. So back to reading. So I read. The Pelican Brief. And then I also finally received Where the Crawdads Sing from the library. And that was a summer reading list, I think, for this summer. And I was waiting and waiting and waiting for it to come. And I thought it was going to be really great. And it was just kind of a disappointment. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, I I think it was the writing that was not that great. The idea and the storyline was very interesting. It was very unique. But I didn't really... It didn't seem like she was a great writer. But you actually read the whole thing. In this I did. Instance, I finished right? it. Yeah. So you feel comfortable saying you're, you're sticking with that opinion. Yeah. That again, the characters were interesting. The storyline was interesting, but, and the, the ending was quite a twist, very unexpected. So your 50 page rule did not apply to the crowd, where the crowd had sing. Well, again, it was like, I was interested in the storyline, mm-hmm. but I just wasn't feeling her writing style. Yeah. That makes sense. Totally. And then I finished the Kate Atkinson series. I read her most recent book that came out this year. And now I'm trying my first Daniel Silva mystery novel, Mm -hmm. which so far is good. He does a lot of like international sort of spy thriller stuff, right? Exactly. So there's a lot more international theme. Whereas with Kate Atkinson, her mystery books are very local Mm -hmm. in England. And yeah. And then I've just started, recently started a whole bunch of books. So probably by the time we do this again in the winter time, I'll have more things to say. I like it. That's a good list. I will start off with my, I guess, I guess I'll call it a guilty pleasure uh, guilty pleasure reading, and that's Jack Reacher, the Jack Reacher series by Lee uh, Lee Child. And I started this, I don't know, probably a couple months ago. I think I'm reading my seventh or eighth one now. They're very easy to read. I mean, they're just they just flow. They're just a classic thriller. Yeah, There's yeah. nothing no, deep fun. about these at all. They're they don't uh, they don't you know plumb the depths of human existence. Or sure, anything I mean like that's that. the way the Pelican Brief is. Yeah, but it's yeah. just it's just a fun. All of them are sort of. Um, I don't recommend them without hesitation. I mean, they're, I think Lee Child thinks it necessary to build in one romantic relationship that is always consummated at least once in the book. And 
that part of the plot is always tangential and not necessary. But that's yeah, that's so annoying. That's that was nice about the Grisham because he doesn't include those. Right. Exactly. There's romance sort of, but there's nothing explicit. Yeah, I have always appreciated Grisham's books for that reason. But I also think Grisham's books, because they're he's he's a legal thriller writer They're They vary along, you know, they vary in terms of excited plot uh, aggressiveness, whereas Lee Child, they're all thrillers where, you know, lives are at stake and everything. And it's a it's a more exciting read in that sense. But Grisham does character development better. I think my favorite in this sort of genre of guilty pleasure reading, though, is Michael Connelly and his Bosch series, because he just does character development so well. And Bosch is such a a likable, but also you know, flawed character. And I just, I really appreciate Connolly's writing. He has an, a book coming out this, this October. Ooh, nice. Yeah. Um, another in the sort of Bosch series, but Bosch is getting so old because he's, oh, right. he's been doing this since 91, I think they've added in a, yeah, he's added in lead. Renee Ballard. And so he's really kind of, you can tell he's sort of doing the handoff to Renee Ballard. So and, this kind of happened in Kate Adkinson as well. The most okay. recent book, um, the main character is older and he's just kind of like along for the ride most of the time, mm-hmm. but a, a young girl from a, a book or so ago has come back as a detective and she's actually in the police force, whereas he's a retired police officer. Yes. That's, so that's, that's pretty much exactly. Yeah, yeah. So in Bosch, he becomes a reserve, okay. a reserve police officer, which I didn't know was a thing until I was reading yeah. this book, but he's a reserve police officer for a nearby police department. And so he acts in a part-time capacity and he doesn't have jurisdiction in Los Angeles, <laughs> but he ends up partnering with Renee Ballard, who's okay. a detective in LA. So they're very similar. Yeah. And yeah. it is, it is cool. But I really love Connolly's writing. It just, some of his books start slowly, but they always they always just end up so good. Um, so I'm looking forward to that coming out in October. So so the Reacher series is what I'm reading. I'm really looking forward to the Michael Connolly book, though. Um, I'm teaching an apologetics course at our church, as you know, Sally, and I have been enjoying this book by Edward Fazer, who's a uh, philosopher, called Five Proofs of the Existence of God. And if you're familiar with proofs of God, uh, Aquinas has what are typically termed five proofs, but these are not the Thomistic five proofs. He uses one of Aquinas's proofs as the five, but he relies on other thinkers, Aristotle, Plotinus, Augustine, and Leibniz, among others, to develop these five proofs. So this is a pretty cool, exciting read. It does get heady and metaphysical, and so it's not all well-suited to me, but uh, he also writes it for the layman like myself. So it is a, an interesting and fun read in that sense. So I recommend that, Edward Fazer, Five Proofs of the Existence of God. And then um, I'll also mention, I think our audience knows I love long-form journalism. I found an article on GQ. I think GQ just does really good long-form journalism. I think uh, a lot of the rest of the magazine is garbage, but uh, the the way they write and the depth to which they report, I think, is often very good. So they there was this missionary named John Chow who went to this um, small little island off the coast of India called Sentinel Island. And this was, I think, last year. I'll have to double-check the dates, but GQ did a, a deep dive. Let me check the title. Oh, that's very recent. Let me check the title real quick of this story. Okay, it's John Chow, the American missionary and the uncontacted tribe. Wow. And so John Chow went there. He was a very devout man, a graduate of Oral Roberts University, which is this evangelical school in Oklahoma. And uh, he just was convinced that he was God's chosen messenger to go bring the gospel to the Sentinelese people because they're uncontacted. People have tried to contact them before, but they've either been attacked or outright killed. So this is a um, this is a very violent tribe who has shown really no desire to befriend people on the outside. So um, he wanted to go evangelize them and he was 
eventually killed wow. um, in the process of doing That's that. so sad. And this opened him up to a lot of criticism because people were saying, you know, this person was just ignorant of native peoples. He was exposing them to pathogens by going and visiting them when they don't have, for example, acquired smallpox immunity. Mm-hmm. So um, he faced a lot of criticism in the aftermath of his death. And it was really, it was really sad because a man has, has been killed and there are people saying, you know, like he got what he deserved. He was trying to ruin these people's way, uh, way of life. And what I appreciate about the GQ article is that it was much more nuanced than that and painted a picture of a man who was just fervently in love with these people and wanted to do the best for them. Now, you know, you're of course welcome to uh, disagree on what is or is not best for the Sentinelese people. But, um, this this story makes it clear that you can't argue that John Chow uh, was was doing something that he thought was not in their best interest. Yeah. And so I thought it was just a, a complicated por- uh, portrait of a complicated story and an admirable admirable one at that because he did risk life and limb. And on the point of the pathogens, for example, he spent a long time in self imposed isolation, making sure he wasn't carrying you know pathogens to these people. So it was it was a really sad but um, but complicated portrait, and I recommend that as well. That's great. Um, I was going to say that um, since you mentioned a book that you just started and are, we're assuming that it'll be good, <laughs> the Five Proofs book, Yeah, I just started my second Colleen Carroll Campbell book. I think I mentioned My Sisters the Saints previously, yes, which was amazing. And it's The Heart it's of Perfection read, yeah. about spiritual perfectionism and kind of like a more subtle version of perfectionism where people might not realize that they're a perfectionist. And so she writes about her struggle with battling perfectionism. And so far... I, I'm just like, it's, it's like hitting me right, right in the center, right in your, right in the feels. Yeah. Um, so is spiritual perfectionism the same thing as scrupulosity? I think that's the same idea. Okay. Yeah. Which is something I struggle with. At least two sides of the same coin. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's, she's, she, yeah, she's just being really raw and it's, it's, it's a powerful read so far. So I, I, I think I recommend that. Yeah. Cause I, I like her, she's, she's incredible anyways. And I've read, um, one of her three books. What's that one called? The Heart of What? So, um, My Sisters of the Saints is the one I already read. The no, Heart no, of the, Perfection the is her new one okay, and it, it just came out this year. Yeah. I need, I still need to, um, ask her to come on Creedal Catholic. Yeah. So, she's yeah. incredible. That'd be great. Okay. Should we move on to watching stuff? Yes. Okay. So if you've been listening to this podcast, you know that we had Lexi Sargent on to talk about The Good Place recently, and we have been watching season three of The Good Place. We've, we've been sort of going pretty slowly. slowly. Yeah, because to me and to Sally, the Good Place is not a bingeable show. It's just so out there, it's so crazy. <laughs> and there's um, when there's philosophical ideas discussed, there's kind of a lot to chew on too. Yeah. So it's it's not really one that you just want to binge. So we've been working our way slowly through that, but we're working at it. It is on Netflix, as we mentioned. So um, that's one thing. The Breaking Bad movie <laughs> coming out in October. That's exciting. On Netflix, so excited. We're going to do a special. Me and Josh are going to do a special episode. So is of, that going to be in theaters? No, 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 it's on oh, Netflix. Okay, yeah. okay. Oh, a, on Netflix, a, you said that. It's okay. a Netflix produced, um, wow. or at least Netflix, you know, Netflix bought the license rights. I don't exactly wow. know who produced it, but it, it'll be released on Same Netflix. Same actors? Um, at least partly, yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, so, but I'll but there's there's you. a lot of um, mystery surrounding the plot. Oh, okay. So, yeah, because I we'll was wondering, see. like, what are they going to do? Okay. We'll see. I'm really excited. Cool. Though. So excited. Josh and I are going to do a special episode of Breaking Pod Fun. just talking about the movie. So that'll be good. Also, um, Ad Astra is a movie that just came out. Uh, it is a space adventure. In theaters. In theaters, yeah. Okay. And I rarely go to theaters, but I'm going to make an exception for this one because I love space movies. And if you write, if you make a, a modern movie about space, like 
The Martian or Interstellar or Life or uh, Gravity. I'm there. I'm. And this uh, is Brad Pitt. I'm all in. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty pretty good sell as well. Yeah, for sure. I was just in the trailer alone. I was just the yeah the special effects, visual effects looked amazing. Fun. All right, what do you have for watching? Um, I think well, we're looking forward to trying again the Jack Ryan series on Amazon. The first season was okay, but we listened to a podcast shortly thereafter from The Ringer, and they were talking with the director or the creator, and he just made the second season sound even better. Mm -hmm. So we're going to give that another try, as you know, (laughs) and I'm looking forward to seeing that and seeing if it's any good. Yeah. I mean, at the time I was an active duty Air Force officer and all of the all of the portrayals of the Air Force in that show were just so off the mark that it was at times painful. Yeah, all the but, drone stuff, it was just unbelievable. But we love John Krasinski and I'm, I'm there for the second season, I think, because like you said, we heard that that uh, showrunner talking on the podcast and he was pretty self-aware, I think, about some of the mm-hmm. shortcomings of season one and some of the things they want to do better. And it some seems the, like they've done a lot of research yeah. in preparation for season two, so we'll definitely give that a try. Yeah. Otherwise, I'm not sure. I don't know. Oh, I didn't mention October Baseball, which is coming up. Oh, yeah. That's that's not a movie, just to clarify. That is like just the sport (laughs) of baseball in the month of October, uh, playoffs and all of that. So I will definitely be tuning in for a lot of baseball in the month to come. Pretty excited about that. There were four to five games, depending on the team, out from the end of the regular season. So the playoff teams are uh, locking up their respective divisions and wild cards. And I think it'll be a good postseason. The Phillies are not in it, unfortunately. But <laughs> <laughs> um, another thing, so I'm hesitant to to mention this, and I want to be clear, I'm not recommending this per se, but I've been watching Succession, which is an HBO show. It's sort of the talk of, I don't know, like the 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 folks at Ringer love it. The the folks at Ringer loved Game of Thrones, and they sort of have pivoted to Succession as like oh, their okay. their new show to write about and talk okay. about. And um, it is so the premise is this incredibly rich family. Think, uh, think almost like like Walton, Walton level of fortune. Um, the the patriarch is named Logan Roy. He has three children, um, all of whom are just severely dysfunctional, self absorbed, and, and self absorbed, and corrupted, and everything. And the whole family really is that way. And wow. and what it what it ends up being is a story of who's jockeying for a position to be heir or heir heiress apparent. And, um, and also watching Logan Roy not want to let go of his empire, even if it's to his own children. Mm. And so it's a really That's sad, it is sad. And it's a really dark examination of human nature. And I'm still, this might sound weird. I'm still trying to figure out if there's anything redeeming about the show. Sure. So for example, I mean, you, I've been on record and I you know have a podcast about this, in? but the I'm season? in season, season two is going on right now. Uh, and so I'm almost current on season two. I think I'm like an episode behind, but Breaking Bad, I've said before, is the best show ever made. And it's certainly the best show I've ever seen. And that's a lot of people's criticism of Breaking Bad, that yeah, there isn't anything redeemable. It's so dark. But yeah. I think there is there is something redeemable about it because there there is goodness displayed in some characters. Uh, certainly not all, certainly not most even, but some characters. Um, and there are clear... There are clear... Um, warning signs? I mean, I Well, think- warning signs. I think there are clear choices that are set mm-hmm. up where where characters can go left or right. And, you know, they go one way that's clearly the wrong way, and then you can see the destruction. So it does sort of, it, it makes you reflect on your life as a series of habit-forming choices. 
in the context of succession though, I don't really think that applies. I'm still trying to, I'm still trying to work through it because you It's like, are people having consequences for their actions? Cause I think that would suggest some moral narrative. Yeah. I think there's, there's some lack of that because these people are all just super rich and get off scot-free for doing almost anything. There are some consequences. I mean, I think if you've seen the show, there's a big consequence for a character named Kendall at the end of the first season. So there are some consequences, but even like even that consequence, maybe that's sort of illustrative because even that consequence is really just a result of another rich person's manipulation Mm. of the situation. And so there, yeah, there is a question of consequences. There's also a question of like, are these people, um, are these people like, are, are they building habits, you know, virtues or vice through habit? in the way that people in Breaking Bad do, because these people are really just all born with a silver spoon in their mouth and they're all born into this totally toxic and corrupted environment of the Roy family. And they are sort of just, they're in a sense like prisoners of that mm-hmm. situation as well, but it's totally and fully corrupted them and everyone yeah. in their orbit. And there's like, there's really no one good in this show. Yeah. Either. And so- um, And you don't see these arcs of people improving? No, definitely mm-hmm. not. Absolutely not. If yeah, anything, it's, it's, it sounds it's the kind opposite. of like, I mean, I haven't seen it, but it sounds like a dark uh, drama, drama version of Schitt's Creek, but no character development. Oh, that's interesting. Because Schitt's yeah. Creek is like, you know, it's a sitcom. Yeah. And, and at first I was like, oh, these people are so shallow and they're so selfish and money obsessed. But, they but then they improve. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, that's interesting. That is a good... But, but in their case, they have the, the rug pulled out from under them yeah. and their money is taken away. So they have to kind of learn and get back on their feet. Right. Whereas with succession, they're just kind of fighting for more. Yeah. So to be honest, I, I'm not recommending succession. I mean, if, if you've been interested by this conversation that Sally and I are having, then you might want to check it out. I will say it's HBO. There's a lot of thematic content, a lot of um, language that discusses things that are, you know, just objectionable. Objectionable. Yeah. So. Uh, and I'm just, I still am working through, like, do I want to watch more of this show? Cause I'm still trying to figure <laughs> out is like, I guess the question is, does anything in this show make me a better person? Mm. If the answer is no, I probably shouldn't be watching the show. Right. Uh, and so I'm still trying to, I'm still trying to work through that question as, as strange as that might sound. No, just trying I mean, to figure out, is this a, there's some shows that they don't really get good until the second season. Yeah, that's true. And uh, yeah, I think it, it'll be interesting us next time. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I maybe, maybe by the end of this season, the showrunners will figure out something or. Or, or we'll have achieved what they're trying to do and where they're trying to go, but um, we'll see. Okay, we can move on now. So list, listening recommendations? Yeah, so um, another plug for one of our podcasts. I listened to the most recent podcast episode, which was Josh's kind of rundown of the Emmys. And given that I know very little about current television and did not watch the Emmys, it was helpful. So at least I could Game of Thrones be won. aware of what's going on. Chernobyl yeah. won. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was helpful. I um, plug that. And then my go-to podcast each week that I don't miss is Abiding Together um, with two moms and a sister. Um, so she's in a convent um, in, ooh, I forget where she lives. But Wait, they so it's are two moms, as in two like moms. mothers of children. Yep. And then a mm-hmm. sister. And then a sister. Yeah, so life. three women. Okay, got it. And yeah, it's just, it's fantastic. It's so good. I listen to the back episodes. I'm current with the new episodes and I just, I never miss it. I also liked the most two most recent episodes of Fountains of Carrots. Um, one taught me all about St. Hildegard and another one, um, they talked with a woman who's Eastern Orthodox. And so hearing about her perspective on prayer was very inspiring. 
And what else did I tell you that I wanted to talk about? Uh, Godsplaining. Um, oh, yeah. I just started a new podcast. Thanks to Kevin. Kevin yeah. Um, who is Zach's co-host on Credo Catholic. He recommended that. And I'm on episode three now. They only have seven or eight episodes. So I just figured I'd start from the beginning. And it's it's been really good. Very meaty theological conversations between Dominican friars. Um, yeah. And I could, I could probably say more, but those are my top ones right now. Those are good ones though. Yeah. I've enjoyed God's planning as well. And the podcast, of course, I have not listened to abiding together or fountains of carrots, but, but I do. Yeah. Need- I mean, intended more for women, but there was definitely one abiding together that I think I recommended to you. Yes. That was, I do need to listen to that. It was still, still very good. Yeah. I'm working through a backlog right now. Of, yeah. Of listen and sister Marion James, she would be amazing on cradle Catholic. <laughs> I also need to add her to my invite list. Okay. So I've been listening to the Bill Simmons podcast just as a staple. He, he interviews interesting guests. He always has hot sports takes and it's just a fun, you know, like I'm, I don't listen to music normally when I'm working out. I, listen to the Bill Simmons podcast or something in that vein. So, oh, yeah. so that's, that's a perennial favorite of mine. The press box is another interesting one. And this is a, this is a podcast from the ringer podcast network. And it is by Brian Curtis and David Shoemaker, who are both journalists at the ringer. And they, they have a, they've had a pretty wide ranging career, each of them in various capacities in media. And so it's a media podcast where they just talk about all things media, hence the name, the press box. And it's been very interesting, especially in the, you know, approaching Democratic primary season and really more broadly speaking in the age of Trump, because I think that, that you know, there's this whole narrative of fake news or, you know, uh, Trump calls the journalism the enemy of the people. And I, I do think there are instances in which the media does go overboard and over sensationalize. And that's just, you know, that, that's that has certainly some something to do with some things to do with Trump, I think. But also just that's the that's the era of the 24 hour news cycle. Yeah. But I think that these guys are good at in just sort of diving into these media questions and exploring media um, and media personalities and media trends in a way that I just find interesting. I've always found media uh, fascinating, and uh, I appreciate that podcast. Um, another one is Potomac Watch. This is a 25-minute, two or three times a week podcast from the Wall Street Journal. Excuse me, Wall Street Journal that I found also to be just thoughtful and informative. So I've recently started listening to that one. Did you say it was two or three minutes? No, no, two or three times a week. Oh, oh, Sorry, okay. 25 minutes. If I, oh, okay. if I said two to three minutes, I was I, like, ooh, I, I could do that. <laughs> <laughs> 25 minutes, two to three times weekly. Okay, gotcha. Um, and then another one that I've had recommended to me, but I have yet to listen to is called Summer of 69. Yeah, this one sounds so Yeah, I was just telling you about this uh, before we started recording. And basically the idea is the Summer of 69 was a crazy- full time. <laughs> a crazy time in American history. And so this is a ParCast network show that dives into a lot of these events normally in one or two parts. So like, for example, I'm looking at the feed right now, the Zodiac Killer, the death of Judy Garland, the MLK assassin, James Earl Ray, the Manson girls, Chappaquiddick, Muhammad Ali, Hurricane Camille, the Apollo missions, the Chicago eight. One summer. Yeah. And I mean, some, someone's brilliance and just identifying like, yeah. this was an eventful summer. We need so to this, talk about this. This just came out. This has been going, let's see. The first one was July 21st. Oh, okay. Yeah. So so, just this summer. Yep. Just this summer. So I, like I said, have yet to uh, really dive into this, but uh, I'm excited to so check out Summer of 69. And then the final thing, the final thing, I, I recently found this podcast. It's oh. called, it's called Wild Thing. <laughs> and it's about Bigfoot. And one man search for Bigfoot. No, it's not even one man's. Okay. It's, it's a network search for Bigfoot. Oh my goodness. There are lots of people out there. And wow. I, have to, I have to say. It's made you a believer. I think I might be a believer. <laughs> I think I might be a Bigfoot believer. 
Uh, After listening to this, I kind of want to go take a little like backpack trip to Oregon and become a squatcher just for a week. (laughs) I just want to find Bigfoot. I do think it's interesting. Like I've been listening to this podcast and I've always, I've always been interested in um, what they call cryptozoology, like the existence of these possibly mythical imagined creatures, Mm -hmm. the Loch Ness monster, the Yeti, China's Yaren, Bigfoot. And uh, these have not occupied a lot of my time. I'm not like, <laughs> I'm not a, a hobbyist, a hobbyist a cryptozoologist, but I always have just found it interesting that, you know, just like, just like the Sentinelese uncontacted tribe, uncontacted yeah. tribes, these, yeah. there are, you know, the Sentinelese and there are uncontacted, it's hard to say, yeah. uncontacted tribes all over the Amazon. I just find that so fascinating. Yeah. And I find it so fascinating too, that there are species out there that have yet to be discovered. Yeah, that's crazy. And while I, I acknowledge the vast improbability of Bigfoot being real. Right. It's kind of fun to think maybe out there in the vast unexplored wilderness of the upper Northwest Peninsula, maybe there's a, you know, a, a distant cousin of the gorilla that just, yeah, you that know, no one has ever it's shy really and it doesn't like people him. and it lives in caves that are far removed from roads and towns and, yeah. um, and like maybe it's out there and it's yeah. just kind of fun to think about. Uh, the evidence is scant. <laughs> <laughs> I will acknowledge that. The, I think the, um, I forget what it's called. It's like the Gimlin Patterson film from the sixties is the best quote evidence that there is. Oh no. Could be someone in a, you know, gorilla suit. It's not That's totally clear. So funny. Um, there's no real physical evidence. Uh, a lot of the videos that people say our evidence are pretty clearly not. That's really you know, funny. not clear enough to show anything or they're not a, an ape like figure. So the evidence is scant, but it's, it's just kind of fun to, to acknowledge the possibility that maybe there's something out there, you know? Yeah. So anyway, that, that podcast is called Wild Thing, and I just have found it to be a fun listen as no, well. No, that's fun. That's good. All right. Well, do you have one thing that is occupying your time, attention, enjoyment lately that you can put a finger on? So I would say this is not this has not been repeatedly occupying my attention, but I really enjoyed it last week. You went to King Supers, the grocery store, and brought me back some Tostitos queso. Oh yeah. <laughs> that took me right back to my childhood. And I ate that pretty quickly, like like shamefully quickly. It's been a while since you had queso. It was so good. Yeah. It was so good. I I, good. I vastly enjoy the Tostitos, you know, blue, yellow lake one food coloring <laughs> Chili infused. Con queso. <laughs> Chili con queso. Nice. Very delicious. Nice. Um yeah, I mean, I think we we talked about this last time and we also mentioned food items then. But yeah, for me, I Honeycrisp apples. I mean, wow. Oh, I mean, I tried one of those last night. It was incredible. It was probably the best apple I've ever had. I just like, I've been, whenever they're on sale or marked down, but basically I just can't eat any other apple because they're just incredible. I I think you spoiled me last night. With some cinnamon. That's all you need. They're amazing. I like Granny Smith a lot, but sometimes you get Granny Smiths that are- Just bland. Yeah, bland. Yeah. And these Honeycrisp were like crisp. Yeah. And the perfect mixture of tart and sweet. They're amazing. It was, it was incredible. So I'm glad that it's apple season again. And yeah, yay for, for fall foods. Love it. Okay. Well, that's all we have for fall read, watch, listens. Okay. Let cool. us know what you're reading, watching, and listening and what we should join in on. Yeah. We'd love to hear from you. Zach and Sally at vernacularpodcast.com and go ahead and follow us. Facebook.com slash vernacular podcast or Instagram, Twitter at vernacular pod. For vernacular podcast, I'm Zach. And I'm Sally. Have a great week. Feeling better than ever when I'm by your side.